Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. As far as I can remember, all I ever wanted was to make people smile. I grew up in a very Christian family. We went to church every Sunday. I just remember how dull it felt to look at all these people's faces during the sermons and seeing literally none of them smiling. I didn't really associate religion with true happiness, though, even if my parents wanted me to believe it. As the eighth son of a big family, I was expected to choose the way of God and become a priest. It was common for big families in my area that one of their sons becomes a priest, and it just so happened my parents thought it would be me. And, well... I only wanted to make people smile, my parents included, and so I studied in a seminary and grew up following the laws of the Bible, until the day my parents died. I was about 16 years old when it happened. It was sudden and one of those deaths that would fit well in a Disney movie. It was a rainy night and my parents were coming back from volunteering at church for a community event. The road was slippery and dark. We lived in a small town and most of the roads were not well lit. The police say a deer might have crossed the road and my dad tried to avoid it, but he crashed the car into a tree in the process. They died instantly, or so they said to reassure me and the rest of the family. It was sad, of course, but... It was also hard to make people smile when you're all dark on the inside. My studies into philosophy and religion were also not really helping my state of mind. So, I thought something was wrong with me. Maybe it was the Lord's way of telling me my place wasn't with the church. And then, well, something interesting happened. A circus came to town. Now, I'd never seen one before. It was so colorful and, you know, the emotions oozing off the carnies it felt like undiluted happiness. Now, call me sappy, but when I saw a clown, I knew instantly that this is what I wanted to do. Most of my family didn't understand my choice when I quit the seminary. And, well... Most of my family didn't approve of my choice when I told them that I wanted to join the circus. I think only my youngest sister and brother understood because I was the closest to them. I didn't talk to a majority of my family anymore, and that was okay. I've come to live in peace with this decision, because becoming a clown was the best thing I could have done for myself. When I paint my face and see the smile on children's faces, it just fills my heart with warmth. There's nothing else that can compare to it. But there wasn't anything like a clown school though in the 50s, so I had to improvise. I started doing children's birthday parties, I sewed my own clown costume from scraps, 
and painted my face with the cheapest makeup I could find. Let it be known, clowns aren't rich, but I was paid in happiness and that was all I wanted at the time. To keep my act up though, I stopped reading the news. It was hard to smile when there was so much bad in the world, and so I focused on being happy all the time, and I truly believed I was at this time in my life. I was a good clown. I made a reputation in the town, and the neighboring towns, and then even a little further. And finally, I became so good at making people smile that I managed to join the circus. <laughs> Could you believe that? After 12 years of clowning around, I had finally found my place. I had a troop, or rather, I joined a troop. I couldn't be more elated. I had people to travel with, and I would get to see the world. I would see the world, and children from all around the country would smile because of me. I don't know how I do it, but I have this pull when it comes to children. See, it's magnetic. They see me and they just come to me. I love it. I guess it's the feeling that I give off. I might be some form of reassuring, humorous figure. They just seem very attracted to me, which makes my job that much easier. Being a clown, after all, one of your main goals is to stretch those tiny lips into big smiles. I think my crew liked that about me too. The fact that I could just so easily capture the attention of the youth with my jumps and my hoops, with my fake flowers and my falling on my ass with a honking noise. Life was perfect. I couldn't have asked for anything else. If at this point in time someone asked me if I needed anything else, my answer would have been no. The sense of fulfillment I felt being part of this troop was unparalleled. In my mind, there wasn't a single thing that could make this job any more perfect. And then one day, maybe about a year into my circus job, a cop came to talk to us. As per my usual self, I tried to put a smile on their faces, until I realized that something very serious was happening. They separated the troop, and one by one we were questioned. You know, about our time in the troop, how long we'd been with them, and how many towns we had visited. After a year, I'd visited about 12 towns. We had a couple breaks, but we usually stay around 20 or 30 days in a town. You know, depending on the interest. When we see that there's less and less children, we usually skip town because, well... Circuses may be all age, but the main audience are children. Adults might come once or twice during a month, but children? They'll come every single day if they can, and cry when it's time to leave. So when we start a show in a town and there are 50 children, but after 15-20 days there's only 10 left, we move on. It's just part of the life. It saddens me every time, but I make sure that I leave the remaining children with a smile. Now, I was interrogated too. We'd just been in this town for about six days, but the officer told us that we couldn't leave until the investigation was over. I asked what kind of investigation it was, and why we were being investigated, 
and he said something about children disappearing. My eyes went wide in shock, and my heart felt tight. My reaction was genuine, and I guess the cops saw that too, and so I told him, I hope you could find the little angel soon. Poor parents, they must be devastated. And I felt it. God, did I feel it for those parents. I remember trying to put on a show that night, and it was harder than ever. Now I'm a very emotional man, and knowing that people were sad always made me sad. But I put a smile on and managed to get those sweet laughs from the audience, and the smile on the children's faces were more than enough to bring me back into an acceptable mood. As I was wiping the greasy paint from my face at the end of the night, I started thinking about those poor children again. I cleaned my makeup, but kept the costume on a little longer. I was anxious, mind you. I didn't understand why cops would come to our circus and investigate us and the disappearance of these children. Our mission on this earth, and sorry for the religious talk, is to put smiles on children's faces. Why would we, in God's name, be responsible for any harm caused to them? I had to clear my head. I'm usually the whole early-to-bed, early-to-rise kind of guy, but that night, my nerves and happiness level were pretty low. I decided that watching that nice blanket of stars while having a little walk around the circus would help me clear my thoughts. Tomorrow was another day, and another reason to smile, right? Well, I walked for about five to seven minutes until I reached the main tent. It was so big and it looked so fierce in the night, what with the big red and white stripes. I wondered what it looked like at night, when there wasn't a ton of lights on and dozens of spectators throwing popcorn in their mouths. Plus, the stage was always a place that made me feel good about myself and what I was doing. I entered the tent and I was surprised to see a few members of the circus gathering around the stage. Unfortunately, none of them were in costumes. Actually, none of them had a smile either. They were wearing a strange dark brown hooded cloak and holding candles. I could barely see their faces, but having worked with them for almost a year, I could tell who they were by the shapes of their chins and their hair escaping the hoodie. There was Lydia, the flame spitter, Hans, the sword swallower, two of my clown colleagues, the ringmaster, the beast tamer, Paul and Ellie, the acrobat and the juggler. For some reason, the way they carried themselves was way different than what you would see them do in the day. They seemed stiff, almost doll-like. And I like to think that even when I take the clown outfit off, I'm still a clown, but for them, it looked like taking off their costumes sucked all happiness out of them. They were muttering. I don't know what exactly, but I felt itchy tingles around my spine. Something was way off, and since they hadn't noticed me yet, I decided not to make a sound. I had never felt this way before in my life, and I could tell what it was despite never truly experiencing it. I was terrified. 
My terror only grew when I saw the strong man coming from behind the curtain, pulling two stretchers behind him. On each stretcher was a sleeping child. It took every ounce of my willpower not to gasp loudly. I put my hands on my mouth and suffocated myself not to make a single sound. I couldn't peel my eyes off the stage. That same stage where I was a few hours earlier, making children smile and laugh. I saw the group slowly climb on stage, their chants becoming a little louder, but not enough that it would reach the caravans where everyone else was sleeping. I swallowed thickly as I tried to decipher what they were saying, but it sounded like an entirely new language. My eyes were fixed on the children, and my gut knew that something terrible was about to happen. What exactly, I didn't know, and part of me didn't even want to know. My resolve to not read newspapers, to avoid bad news, wasn't strong enough for my desire to know more about my troop and what they were doing after dark. I stayed anchored in my spot as I watched them chanting. And then... Something happened. The lights of their candles flickered for a few seconds before everything went dark. A low, guttural rumble came from behind the stage, and the curtains moved as if wind was blowing. But I couldn't feel the breeze. I saw a dark, shadowy tendril coming from backstage, and the members of the circus moving to the edge of the stage in an almost perfect circle. The kids on the stretchers were still in the middle of the stage, blissfully unaware of what was happening. And I saw that black tendril of shadow touch the first child's face, and I heard the telltale gasp of the child's last breath. I saw the way his chest grew and then deflated very slowly. I saw the healthy, sun-kissed skin of that child turning white, very slowly as the tendril became two, then three, then a mass. I peeled my eyes off the kid when his cheeks caved in. It felt like the blood had been sucked out of him entirely, but without a single puncture made to him. I looked to the back of the stage, but whatever it was that sucked that kid's life was still hiding behind the curtains. I was petrified. Because all I could see behind that moving curtain was a black, shadowy mass. There wasn't enough lights from the candle to possibly know what it was. But whatever it was, it was moving its soul-sucking tentacles to the second child. Now, I'm not a hero, and I don't think anybody would be after seeing what I saw. I couldn't go down there and fight them all myself to save that kid, lest I wanted to end up like the first one. So I did what any sane person would do after witnessing a scene like that. I ran. Unfortunately, in my haste to sprint away, I knocked a chair, or maybe ten, and alerted them of my presence. I heard a loud clicking noise, and as I looked over my shoulder... I saw the tendrils dissolve, but the creature wasn't the biggest of my concerns, even though it was a big concern. 
No, my concern was now the nearly dozen circus carnies running after me, and probably not to congratulate me on tonight's performance. We were settled at the edge of the town. I knew I would have to run for a while before I could even get to the first house. And not that I was unhealthy, but my cardio couldn't have possibly compared to the strongman or the acrobats. My only hope would probably be to get to the forest and hide in there. These were the thoughts that ran through my head as I tried to sprint away from the circus grounds. That the fact that if I couldn't get away, I was definitely going to die. My heart was beating so fast it felt like it was about to burst out of my chest. I could feel the water pouch behind my fake flower vest slamming against my ribs and the corner of it bit into my skin. But I didn't have time to worry about all that. I heard them running after me and the loud steps of the strong man were more than enough motivation to push me forward. I managed to get off the circus grounds, and I had to make a decision real quick. Either I dashed to the forest across, or ran towards the road. There was a light. It was a car approaching me. I didn't need to think any more about it. I dashed towards the car and reached it. Never in my life had I been so happy to see the cop. In fact, it was the same cop that interrogated me during the day. I knocked on his passenger door and screamed at the top of my lungs for him to help me. He unlocked the door and I jumped in seconds before the strongman's fist slammed on the hood of the car. The officer then pushed on the gas and drove over some of the troop but the windshield and back windows were smashed in by the juggler. We managed to drive away, but I was in shock and always looking over my shoulder until we reached town. Then, I told him everything I saw. The rest of the night was a blur. By the time we reached town, the officer had roused reinforcements, and they stormed the circus and arrested everyone. They found two of the carnies on the side of the road, where the officer hit them with his car. But they had to send out an APB for the juggler, the flame spitter, and the strongman who had gone MIA. The cops believed me. Well, everything except for the part about the creature. It's many years later and I still haven't forgotten what I saw. Sometimes, when I go to bed late at night, Sometimes, when I go to bed at night, and I'm right about to go to sleep, I get this ringing in my ears. My eyes close tight, and I feel this deep dread in the pit of my chest. A dread so intense that my skin starts to crawl on my muscles and I shake. I start to choke and spit up black liquid. I see the tendrils that scared me many years ago start coming out of my mouth and wiggling in the air, spasming, writhing, pulsing with every beat of my heart. And then I wake up, drenched in a hot sweat, disoriented, nauseous. I'm not sure what I saw in that circus tent that night, but it stuck with me.